the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 605 for January 14th, 2018. All the news out of CES 2018 and the saga of the iPhone battery continues. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. Well, CES 2018 kicked off this week with 2.6 million square feet of exhibition space and over 150,000 tech-focused vendors and members of the media all converging on Las Vegas to cover the latest products and technologies that will lead us into 2018. And while the show has changed over the last few years, uh, the focus isn't really about the Tier 1 OEMs releasing new hardware. Rather, other companies do take the time to announce new devices coming out over the next few months. But there is no other company that others rely on more for their latest hardware than Qualcomm. So let's kick things off then with Qualcomm announcing a number of new items, starting with its smart audio platform now supporting Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, and Microsoft Cortana. The concept is to make it easier for hardware makers to add various voice assistant features to their devices, such as smart speakers and other home smart gear. Uh, The platform will reduce the time and development cost to bring such functions to various designs for in-home use. In addition to Google Assistant, the smart audio platform includes support for Android Things, Google Cast for Audio, and other Google services. The smart audio platform is powered by a quad-core ARM A53 processor with Qualcomm's Hexagon Audio DSP Wi-Fi, Bluetooth 4.2 Low Energy with APTX and APTX HD, audio playback for various codecs, far-field microphones, beamforming, echo cancellation, and noise suppression. The smart audio platform from Qualcomm uh, with support for Amazon Alexa is already in production, while the platform for Google Assistant and Cortana is expected to be available in the first half of 2018. Next up, Qualcomm announcing low-power Bluetooth SoC QCC 5100. This series of modules for wearables and headsets is met for the small form factor hardware, reduces power requirements, and also adds features. It runs in a dual-core 32-bit processor with Qualcomm's uh, uh, Kalimba DSP audio subsystem, supporting high-fidelity music and call-quality playback with aptX, aptX HD, uh, Qualcomm True Wireless Stereo for full wireless earbuds, and advanced active noise cancellation. It also adds support for voice assistant services like Amazon's Alexa and Google's Assistant with low-power wake word detection. Other specs include Bluetooth 5 and 2 megabit per second Bluetooth low-energy support, also embedded memory for storage of music, and integrated amplifiers, and support for hardware makers to put these works uh, into their designs. Uh, Qualcomm also claims the SoC is very efficient, reducing power consumption by up to 65% for voice calls and music streaming. Uh, Qualcomm says designs based on the QCC 5100 series will reach the market during the first half of the year. Then the company said more than 55 consumer products now include support for its aptX HD, the high-quality Bluetooth audio codec. The codec supports 24-bit music quality over Bluetooth and improves the signal-to-noise ratio, resulting in lower background noise. Qualcomm expects support for aptX HD to flourish over the next six months as it is natively supported in Android 8 Oreo and the hardware such as the Snapdragon 845 processor and, of course, the just-mentioned Qualcomm Bluetooth Audio CSR. 8675 and that QCC 5100 SoC. Hardware makers have adopted the Aptex HD, including uh, Bowers and Wilkins, uh, iRiver, Google, LG, Nora, Sony, OnePlus, Huawei, HTC Sharp, and PSB speakers. 
both the phone and tablet with the headphones and speakers need to support the Aptex HD in order for end users to experience the improved music quality. Yeah, it is nice that Bluetooth stereo streaming has improved in quality. And of course, having another uh, extra fancy codec to do that is even better yet, because that was definitely some of the earlier complaints of, you know, Bluetooth music streaming as the quality was definitely noticeably uh, cruddier than uh, a wired headphones. But, uh, you know, like I have a pair of Beats X I got uh, for real cheap uh, refurbished and the sound quality to me seems perfectly acceptable. I don't hear any uh, artifacts or anything like that uh, associated with kind of that uh, the low or quality uh, streaming Bluetooth uh, music. Well, and it once was an option, and now it's become the requirement as we no longer have uh, headphone jacks on many of our devices. And so ultimately that you have to figure out a way to get this stuff over. And so uh, Bluetooth is really that answer. And to your point, a higher quality, fancier codec is one of those uh, most important, one of the most important ways to do that. Uh, Next up, uh, OEMs, including Google, HTC, LG, Samsung, and Sony, have adopted Qualcomm's uh, RF front end. This means smartphone manufacturers will, will rely on Qualcomm's hardware to ensure their devices can talk to wireless networks. This is particularly important for T-Mobile as the RF front end provides comprehensive 600 megahertz band 71 support. T-Mobile is deploying LTE on its 600 megahertz spectrum now and plans to use it for 5G services down the road. The RF front end includes a modem to antenna system including the new QPM 2600 series gallium uh, arsenide based power amplifier module that contains duplexers, envelope trackers, antenna tuners, antenna switches, and discrete and integrated filter modules. Qualcomm says the RF front end supports features in, uh, such as Gigabit LTE, 4x4 MIMO, and LTE Advanced, and will evolve to handle these 5G technologies in 2019. Moving on from Qualcomm, the Wi-Fi Alliance on Tuesday said it is undertaking new efforts to secure the experience and use of Wi-Fi. The organization plans to enhance the existing WPA2 standard to further reduce potential vulnerabilities and continue to be that will continue to be deployed uh, for the foreseeable future. The Wi-Fi Alliance also plans four new capabilities for personal and enterprise Wi-Fi security this year as part of a Wi-Fi certified WPA3. One core feature will be stronger pr- protections even when users choose weak passwords. Further, WPA3 will simplify the process of securing access points that don't have a display or interface. The forthcoming standard will provide individualized data encryption to protect data as it moves from computers, tablets, and phones to access points. And finally, WPA3 will include a 192-bit security suite to help businesses and governments adopt the highest levels of protection. Over to Google. The company Tuesday said its Google Assistant is soon to be available in far more places than it is now. First, Google Assistant is headed to Android Auto, both the in-car version and the standalone Android app. Google Assistant available in Android Auto will allow drivers to listen to their playlists from apps like Spotify and Google Play Music, get quick directions from Google Maps or Waze, and send and receive messages from services like WhatsApp. Google Assistant will soon be available to headphones, too. Companies including Jaybird, JBL, LG, and Sony announced Assistant integration into various headphones this week at CES. The experience is optimized for the Google Assistant, which will be easily accessible with the touch of an earbud. Google says Android Assistant is headed to more Android TV devices as well, including the NVIDIA Shield TV and Sony TVs. Assistant will reach smart TVs uh, from Element, uh, uh, Hisense, and Westinghouse as well. Assistant is now compatible with a wider range of smart home products, including 1,500 devices from uh, 220 brands. 
Finally, Google wants the Assistant's powers to be more obvious to smart users, so it's calling out Google Actions, similar to Alexa's skills, that can be discovered through a new directory. People will be able to explore the Assistant's potential powers from the Assistant app on their Android phone uh, or iPhone. Stepping away from CES for just a moment, some members of the Senate hope they can overturn the FCC's attempt to repeal current net neutrality regulations. Starting uh, starting it out, Senators Ed Markey uh, had said uh, that he was found, is has found support from 39 co-sponsors to vote uh, on this issue. Uh, the idea is to put the fate of net neutrality in Congress' hands rather than those of the FCC. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell agrees with the FCC's decision to repeal net neutrality, as does President Trump. Republicans hold 51 of the 100 seats in the Senate. The Democrats hope that they can make net neutrality a campaign issue in 2018, uh, saying that there will be a political price to pay for those who are on the wrong side of history. Now, uh, this one is obviously a very hot topic, uh, certainly one that we've talked about on a number of shows in the last couple of months. And uh, it's just kind of, you know, it is no surprise here now that the Senate wants to get involved with this and especially as an issue that uh, that they could potentially influence if it gets to uh, the Senate to make a decision on it. Uh, they would have to vote for it, of course, and it would have to flip over to the House as well for them to vote as well. Right. I just don't see that this will gain any traction just due to the fact that the, uh, you know, the majority uh, of Republicans are there. So it's not going to really it's going to be more symbolic than it is uh, an actual thing that can probably happen. Now, they only have to turn one vote and all of a sudden we're, you know, 50 50. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. I would imagine that most of the voting on these types of issues goes along the party lines. And so there's not necessarily going to be the uh, obvious, uh, you know, de facto, defector that is. And so we'll find ourselves, uh, to your point, with just something that's symbolic and uh, we move on. Verizon Wireless plans to adjust the cost structure of its total mobile protection device insurance program. Subscribers will see their monthly costs go up, but will see savings on select repairs. Starting on the 25th of this month, new customers will be charged $13 per month for the total mo- mobile protection. That includes Tech Coach. Existing customers won't see the price increase until March 6th when it jumps, jumps from $11 to $13. Some of the benefits include in-home repairs uh, and more than 300 authorized repair centers around the country. Customers can also ship their phone to Verizon for repairs if needed. Once the monthly pricing goes into effect, the cost of a, a cracked screen replacement will also drop. That new cost will be $29. In other news, just two days after it emerged, a French consumer fraud group is investigating Apple. It's handing over of battery-related performance issues on iPhones, uh, or handling that is. Apple is now facing questions from government officials here in the U.S. over the controversy. The Wall Street Journal reported on Wednesday that Senator uh, John Thune of South Dakota, has, the chairman of the Commerce Committee, has sent a letter to Apple CEO Tim Cook asking a series of questions on how the company decided to throttle processing performance in iPhones with older batteries. In the letter, he went on to note that Apple's decision to offer battery replacements at a reduced price has prompted further criticism from customers who believe that Apple should have offered the replacements for free. In addition to the senator's letter, uh, Wednesday's Wall Street Journal report offered official confirmation from the Paris prosecutor's office that is overseeing the investigation into Apple's a deception that is being conducted by a consumer fraud group uh, as part of the country's economic ministry. The investigation, which could lead to preliminary charges 
charges or being dropped follows Apple's admission that it slows down, of course, iPhones with degraded batteries to prevent them from unexpectedly shutting down. Apple's uh, introducing of the power management feature in iOS 10.2.1 after complaints of unexpected shutdowns in the iPhone 6S, uh, but the company did not make it clear that it was due to the battery deterioration, and we, this is all the stuff we've talked about in the past. Despite Apple's apology and efforts to correct it, the French inquiry, uh, the, the company is now facing, uh, as well as that French inquiry, more than two dozen lawsuits accusing it of slowing down these uh, these devices. One of the lawsuits also stems uh, from France filed by French consumer group HOP translating to stop planned obsolescence. So uh, going international with this one here as well as all the issues they're facing here in the States. Right. And it is such a big target and such a big deal because they are, you know, one of the, the most popular phone manufacturers out there. And of course, they have a lot of attention on them. And as we've talked about it, uh, you know, they, they did some really poor uh, uh, things here, even though it is technically the best thing for the consumers because it extends the life of the battery, extends the life of the phone. But it's really not uh, what you should be doing. You shouldn't be throttling the uh, device down due to a degraded battery after only one year. It's just not. Uh, it's just not good design. So they they're now going to answer to this, uh, and they should have just warranted everybody's battery for free. But uh, that's not what they decided to do. So now they're uh, paying the price. And the price they will pay. We'll see what happens here with these lawsuits. Now, as far as the replacements go, you can go and still get your battery replaced for $29. But Apple says they are in short supply. And uh, if you're here in the States, you're not going to be able to get a battery until late March or early April. Uh, there's also some issues that uh, you'll find as you in, in get your battery, you try to get your battery replaced in other parts of the world, but uh, those lead times will vary depending on where you are. Uh, and keep in mind that you potentially might be without your device for a couple of weeks as well. Wow. And, uh, you know, because of uh, the hassle to deal with the Apple store, I ended up just ordering a battery from iFixit this week for an iPhone 6. So I haven't put it in yet. Uh, I did receive it, uh, but it's uh, that that's what the route I decided to go. Yeah, and this is, you know, the other part of it is if you decide to go with your uh, your carrier, your provider, you might decide that it's a better way to go. If you've got the, in, you know, insurance on your device, just get your battery replaced through them, through them and uh, you could extend that the life that way as well. In other non-CES news, a new bill introduced by Texas Representative Michael Conaway would prevent any part of the U.S. government from using equipment from Chinese companies, uh, including Huawei and ZTE. The Defending U.S. Government Communications Act, or House Bill 4747, prohibits the government from using or contracting with an entity that uses certain telecommunications services or equipment from Huawei and ZTE. Conaway cited a number of reports that link both companies to China's Communist Party as the chief reason for introducing the bill. The idea is to protect the security of the government communications, according to Conway. Uh, last year, uh, ZTE was hit with a temporary ban after it was discovered the company supplied some equipment to Iran in violation of international sanctions. Just this week, Huawei plans to distribute its Mate 10 Pro flagship device via AT, uh, AT&T. Uh, those plans, however, fell apart due to government pressure. Huawei is the world's third largest maker of smartphones and the world's number one maker of telecommunications equipment. Representative Elizabeth Cheney from Wyoming co-sponsored the bill. It would need to be approved by the committee and oversight on oversight and government reform before it could be sent to the House for a vote. All right, on to device news, and a lot of it, there is 
this week. First up, TCL Communications on Tuesday said it plans to introduce two new BlackBerry-branded handsets this year, both of which will feature physical QWERTY keyboards, serving as successors to last year's Key One handset. TCL didn't share any details about the new BlackBerries other than to say they will arrive later in 2018. TCL also said it plans to sell the BlackBerry Motion smartphone in the U.S. starting January 12th. The device has been available overseas since late last year. The Motion will be sold unlocked for $450 from Amazon.com and Best Buy. It supports GSM networks such as those operated by AT&T and T-Mobile. Later this quarter, TCL plans to release a Bronze Edition Key One smartphone. Other than the color, though, the Bronze Edition changes the memory to 4 gigs and the storage to 64 gigs. It also adds support for a second SIM card. Pricing and availability not disclosed. Lastly, BlackBerry and TCL are working to bring Android 8 Oreo to the Key One and expect to do so in the months ahead. What's really interesting is now, you know, BlackBerry, it's kind of like just an afterthought now. It's just a name now on a basically a generic Android handset. And now it's really almost the only one with a physical QWERTY keyboard now. It's it, it there, the, 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 there were so many of them way back, uh, way back a few years ago, and they've just dwindled to basically nothing. It's really quite staggering how quickly those went away. And there's still a certain, you know, group of uh, consumers that are interested in having that physical keyboard. And, you know, certainly the guys over at Crackberry are, are loving all of this, you know, new attention uh, that, that you can uh, you can get on these devices. So they're uh, I've seen a lot of stuff from them as well. But, uh, yeah, it is interesting. It's pretty much it. You've got this one device and it probably makes sense for them just to be coming out with effectively one device a year and then doing some iterations and, you know, uh, of it uh, to get, uh, you know, potentially a new color, a couple of internal speed bumps on it. And uh, but don't need to do anything else other than that. No. And make it a really good, you know, QWERTY keyboard device. I mean, like Blackberries used to be known for. You used to be able to, you know, pound out emails like crazy on those things. Yeah, you just need one phone. That's all you need. It's just, you know, make it right and make it great and people will still buy it and they don't have to worry about, uh, you know, marginalizing your other devices uh, if you've got one flagship and a bunch of other ones. Huawei, late on Sunday, uh, announcing its Honor V10 smartphone that will reach several markets uh, coming of this week. Uh, the phone goes on sale in India, the UK, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain, and will hit Malaysia and Russia later this month. It's got a unibody aluminum chassis, smooth edges, and curved glass, six-inch screen with a two-by-one aspect ratio, full HD plus resolution. Huawei's Kirin 970 processor with eight cores, six gigs of memory, 128 gigs of storage. It includes a dual camera array on the rear, a full-color 16-megapixel sensor, and the second secondary camera is a monochrome 20-megapixel sensor. They can use PDAF in Kirin's 970 neural processing unit for sharp focus and portrait photos with blurred backgrounds. It also has a 13-megapixel selfie camera, fingerprint sensor, NFC, dual SIM slots, 3750 milliamp-hour battery, 4K video capture, Microsoft Translate, muted notifications during gaming, screen recording, face unlock, and a 3.5-millimeter headphone jack. It runs Android 8 Oreo, Huawei's EMUI 8 user interface. They did not say, though, when that Honor View 10 might be available to U.S. buyers. Also from Huawei, a new red variant of the Honor 7X smartphone. They're making only 20,000 units with the red color, so they're calling it a limited edition. It'll be available in the U.S., U.K., Russia, India, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain before the 14th of February. Uh, Honor's also partnered with Monster and agreed to give back uh, the first 100 people who buy the Honor uh, X7 in red a pair of co-branded Honor Monster AM15 headphones. The Honor 7X is already available in black, blue, and gold for $199. 5.9-inch screen with a 2x1 aspect ratio, dual cameras, Kirin 659 processor, a 3,340 milliamp-hour battery, and Android 7.1 Nougat. 
Then on Monday, the rush of phone announcements started with Sony Mobile unveiling the Xperia XA2 and XA2 Ultra. The handsets have metal frames, aluminum back panels, and 2.5D curved glass on the front that Sony says is more refined than previous generations. The full HD panel measures 5.2 inches on the XA2 and 6 inches on the XA2 Ultra. The fingerprint readers sit on the back panel of each. Both have the internals of a Snapdragon 630 processor, 3 gigs of memory, 32 gigs of storage, a 23 megapixel Sony Exmor RS image sensor with hybrid autofocus, steady shot stabilization, and ISO speeds of up to 12,800 for low light photography. They've got 8 megapixel cameras on the front with 120 degree view of field of view and steady shot for cleaner self videos the larger xa2 ultra has a second user facing camera with a 16 megapixel sensor optical image stabilization and a flash based uh, display based flash both phones have bigger batteries compared to last year the xa2 is 3300 milliamp hours the xa2 ultra is 3580 both batteries include stamina mode and qnovo for adaptive charging features include bluetooth 5 with aptx gps wi-fi nfc usb-c and a memory card slot for up to car- with cards up to 256 gigs supported they run android 8 oreo and they'll go on sale in late january pricing though was not disclosed also from Sony, the Xperia L2. This is an affordable Android smartphone with a metal frame and glass front, 5.5-inch 720p display, powered by a 1.5 gigahertz quad-core MediaTek processor, 3 gigs of memory, 32 gigs of storage, fingerprint reader on the back, 33 milliamp-hour battery inside with stamina mode, 16, 13, that is, megapixel sensor, 120-degree front camera uh, depth of field, wide-angle, 8-megapixel sensor then on the front. Other features include Bluetooth 4, aptX, GPS, Wi-Fi, NFC, USB-C, and memory card slot. Android 7.1 Nougat would be sold black, gold, and pink in late January. No pricing on that one either. The Asus announcements start with the Zenfone Max Plus M1. The phone has a metal exterior, 2.5D curved glass on the front to give it a modern look. 5.7-inch screen with a 720p resolution, powered by an octa-core processor, 3 gigs of memory, 32 gigs of storage, two cameras on the rear, one standard view, the other wide-angle. The main sensor captures 16-megapixel images and can take advantage of PDAF, HDR, and LED flash. The secondary sensor captures 8-megapixel images at 120 degrees. Uh, The front sensor uh, is 8-megapixels or 16, depending on the market. Uh, It also comes with Asus's beautification software tools included uh, with it. It has installed a 4130 milliamp hour battery, providing long battery life. Uh, it included fingerprint sensor, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, GPS, and an FM radio, Android 7 Nougat, Zen UI 4 on the top of that. It supports LTE bands, including 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, 12, 17, and 28. So basic support for the U.S. It'll be sold in the U.S., though, not directly uh, through a carrier. Uh, Zenfone Max Plus M1 is priced at $229. Back to TCL. On the Android side this time, uh, TCL on Tuesday announcing uh, new devices falling under the Alcatel brand. These phones are the first in the range of affordable devices that target different price points. The 5 Series will start under $300. The 3 and 1 Series will have price points under $200 and $100 respectively. The three phones uh, in the series include the 5, the 3V, and the 1X. Jointly uh, will be joined with others sold throughout the 2018 calendar year. They have a modern 2x1 
one aspect ratio. All three have fingerprint sensors. The Alcatel 5 has dual front cameras. The 3V has dual rear cameras. TCL didn't provide any other detailed specs of the devices other than they would be more formally introduced at Mobile World Congress in February. The company did explain that the mix of Qualcomm and MediaTek processors is for the first time sourcing the smartphone screens from TCL Display. Uh, the company has said these devices will be will be the focus moving forward. The older brands such as the Idol and Pop will continue to be available for a while. More information, again, coming in at Mobile World Congress next month. On to Razer. The company Tuesday said it has struck a deal with Netflix to allow Razer smartphones to stream Netflix content with HDR Plus video and 5.1 uh, surround sound. Razer claims the phone is the first to offer both of these capabilities. Two of the primary features on the Razers include the display with 120 hertz refresh rate and high quality stereo speakers. The 5.1 stereo sound will be created virtually using stereo speakers or headphones if attached. Uh, the that's the com uh, compatibilities will be added capabilities that is will be added through a software update planned for later this month. Also from Razer, the announcement of Project Linda. This is a laptop hybrid concept that would pair the Razer handset with a laptop shell to create a single device. The Linda features a 13.3 uh, screen at 120 hertz uh, with a full keyboard, customized buttons, and internal battery and storage. Also on the sides, it's got a USB-A and USB-C port, as well as a 3.5mm headphone jack. The Razer slides into the bottom half of the device where the trackpad, uh, the screen of the handset becomes the trackpad of the laptop. From there, Razer and Project Linda work together to bring a user uh, Windows-style user interface based on Android. The Razer phone, which is a Snapdragon 835 processor and 60 gigs of RAM, has enough power to drive the laptop accessory. The 5.7-inch display is used then as the touchpad or as a secondary screen for apps, tools, and other things. The specs of and features uh, have not been fully finalized of Project Linda. Razer said it will weigh feedback over the next few months before it settles on a shipping version of the laptop dock. Now, we've heard a lot of uh, these things over the past couple of years as we try and figure out ways to get rid of uh, other devices uh, with these new devices that are coming out. Uh, and one of those ways is to just stick your phone inside of a shell. And uh, it's uh, kind of a bad idea, though kind of cleverly implemented in this case. Seemingly, the phone has enough power. And when you use the phone as actually the trackpad, it seems to make some sense as well. But again, then you don't have your phone to use while you're using this device. So there are definitely some limitations of going this route. Yeah, completely. I mean, I use my iPad, my iPhone, and my computer all at the same time very frequently. And if I'm at one device, it, it gets kind of constricting. Um, but of course it is nice to have, uh, to, to save a little bit here, but the, 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 the things you're, you're saving on, if you think about it, if you're combining a phone, you're basically getting, you know, a processor and a few things which don't really add that much cost to, let's just say the actual dock itself. It, it, you might as well just have the processor and the memory in the dock, you know, your computer itself, because it, you're only saving a few bucks. So it, it really isn't worth it. Yeah, it would be, I think, a little bit different if we could figure out a way to do this over a wireless technology uh, where you're serving up the information, but then at the same time, to your point, um, an operating system can be designed relatively, you know, lightly. And so why not just have the whole darn thing, you know, have be, be, be the computer itself. So either way, um, a, a weird idea, cleverly designed uh, in this case. So we'll see if that actually ever comes to light. 
Next up, next bit this week, notifying owners of its Robin smartphone that it plans to shut down its cloud storage uh, on March 1st. Nextbit recommends Robin owners take the time to download anything and everything that they have backed up to the Nextbit cloud, including apps and photos. Nextbit said it will automatically sign all users out of the cloud storage service on March 1st. People will then be able to download their photos through April 1st. After that, everything will be lost and inaccessible. Back to Huawei. Richard Yu, CEO of Huawei's Consumer Products Division, announced efforts to increase its visibility for its Mate 10 Pro flagship smartphone. First, the device will be available for pre-order beginning on February 7th and February 17th with a ship date of February 18th. Um, The phone will retail for $800 and be sold online, unlocked from Amazon.com, Best Buy, Newegg, B&H, and Microsoft. The phone will not be sold by any U.S. carriers, but is compatible with GSM-based networks of AT&T and Cricket and T-Mobile and MetroPCS. People who pre-order the phone during the initial 10-day window will receive a $150 gift card from the associated retailer. Huawei said it plans to increase its marketing in the U.S. in order to help it sell the phone. Huawei has partnered with Wonder Woman actor Gal Gadot to serve as the brand's chief experience officer. Gadot has long used Huawei phones, according to the company, and has offered firm and honest feedback over the years. Huawei also plans to increase its advertising budget in the U.S. to raise awareness of the brand and the Mate 10 Pro. It has already begun putting up billboards with the slogan, the best phone you've never heard of around the U.S. And while Samsung didn't announce any high-end devices at CES, they basically stole the show by announcing their plans for their 2018 flagship as will be coming next month at Mobile World Congress. So the Galaxy S8 marked the debut of the at a standalone event in New York City on March 29th. Sales of the new Galaxy S9, however, could begin as soon as March of this year. Some reports suggest the new phone will have a, be an upgraded version of the S8 design uh, with a relocated fingerprint sensor and dual cameras. The Samsung, uh, however, has not confirmed any features of the phone. Uh, J.D. Co., president of Samsung's mobile business, also noted that Samsung plans to release a foldable, foldable smartphone at some point in 2019. In other Samsung news, some of the features uh, of, of the excuse me some of the feature U.S. smartphones that it will ship will have active FM radios. That, according to Next Radio, manufacturers of uh, Samsung or such as Samsung or other carriers sometimes don't allow FM radio functionality. Next Radio allows people to listen to local radio stations via their phone's FM radio, in addition to stations all over the country through their phone's data connection. Next Radio says gaining access to the FM radio on a Samsung phone will translate into huge power and data savings for end users. Next Radio can access FM signals even when cellular data networks are not available. Neither Samsung nor Next Radio said which phones might be the first to benefit from the partnership. Alcatel, LG, and Motorola have already enabled FM radios on their handsets. Yeah, and just think kind of medium to low-end devices will get this because of the still have the uh, inclusion of the uh, uh, headphone jack. And of course, the actual thickness of the you know flagship devices kind of don't really lend themselves to having headphone jacks much these days. You know, it's really tough when you're you're talking about, you know, having to plug in headphones when you, you're, you're a technology such as FM radio, which is got frequencies that require antennas that are larger than the phones themselves. And you can't use uh, as much uh, with physics uh, like you can with the way that uh, FM, the FM signals of uh, sailor work uh, to come up with, you know, these quarter wave and smaller antennas. And so ultimately you've got to figure out a way to do that externally. And the headphones are where that comes into play, where you've got uh, a headphone, uh, the, the wire on the headphone that can then be uh, you, the conductivity with the actual port itself. And that's what the FM radio uh, receiver is connecting into. So it's a very uh, simple process, but ultimately to your point, you need to have 
uh, that headphone wire, or you got to do some magic inside that phone, of which we have not really seen, at least nothing that has been overly successful. We mentioned LG is one of those companies. Speaking of, the company announcing a shift in strategy this week, uh, saying it will cease bringing new flagship devices to the market each year as it done as it's done over the last five years. We will unveil new smartphones when they are needed, they announced this week, and said we plan to retain existing models longer by, for instance, unveiling more variant models of the G-Series and V-Series. The LG G6 is nearing its first birthday, while the V30 is not quite six months old. The company said that it will also change the naming conventions of these flagship devices going forward. The mobile business lost about has lost money about 11 quarters in a row now. Uh, budget phones rather than flagships generate the bulk of LG's mobile business earnings. Uh, the company is estimated to have lost about $650 million during the last three months of 2017. Uh, CES 2018, the only phones on display at LG's booth were the prior V30 and V30+. Plus. In non-smartphone news, Kyocera launching the Dura TR. This is a ruggedized bar phone included uh, for in Sprint's Direct Connect service offerings. The Dura TR meets mil-spec 810G for protection against drops, bumps, scrapes, and other things. It can handle immersion in water and exposure to fog, heat, moisture, dust, and cold. Certified for use in hazardous environments, including user-assignable action buttons, extra loud speaker, uh, non-slip finish, and a standard numeric keypad. As far as specs go, it's got a 2.4-inch screen, quad-core Qualcomm processor, a gig of memory, 8 gigs of storage, and a 2900 milliamp hour removable battery, a 5-megapixel camera with LED flash and HD video capture. Software features include messaging, email, a browser, and enterprise-focused software such as Timesheets. Sprint is selling the phone through its business website. Uh, Sprint's Direct Connect service is not yet live. Those expected to become available later this month. Direct Connect uses Kodiak's service to power push-to-talk over LG excuse me, LTE, rather than a dedicated uh, push-to-talk network. Once Direct Connect goes live, DuraTR owners will be able to activate the service through a software update. On the accessory side, Jabra this week announcing two additions to its range of wireless earbuds, the Elite 65T and the Elite Active 65T. The earbuds support uh, Amazon's Alexa, something few other headphones at the moment offer. Both devices share designs with a similar build and shape for the ear, with new materials for added comfort. The Elite 65T is for those who want the best possible sound for calls and music. Uh, the 65T Active is for those who, of course, want to be active with these devices. On the uh, 65T, you've got a four-microphone array, hardened wireless performance for call quality, whereas the Active is uh, built for fitness, special coatings to provi- provide an IP56 certification against sweat and rain. An accelerometer helps track track. Uh, workouts. Both uh, offer about five hours of listening per charge. The included charging cradle produces up to two additional charges, making for a total of 15 hours. Available for pre-order through Best Buy uh, and uh, will be in stores in February. The 65T is priced at 170 The active 65T at $190. And if you are looking to be similar to a secret agent, I don't want to say you're a secret agent, but similar, a company called Signal SGNL is a startup that is trying to make you one. Uh, initially supported by Samsung, its primary product is a watch band that uses bone conduction to make phone calls audible through your finger. So imagine sticking your pointer finger up to your ear and hearing a phone call. That's the intent of the watch band. It can be used with any analog, digital, or digital smartwatch as well as uh, as a just a standalone product. The company calls Signal the world's first body conduction unit. It generates vibrations that travel through the owner 
owner's hand, fingers, and eventually to the ear. The wearable can be paired with a mobile app for tracking workouts and connect to smartphones via Bluetooth. Uh, it includes haptics with alarms, a pedometer, water-resistant, and four days of battery life. The signal is compatible with Android and iOS. The signal will ship in March. Pricing not disclosed. Lenovo and Vital USA on Tuesday announcing the Vital Moto Mod, a modular attachment for the Moto Z line of smartphones that can measure a range of health stats. Vital USA says the Vital Moto Mod can monitor heart rate, respiratory rate, pulse uh, oximetry, non-contact body temperature, and even blood pressure. The mod works with the virtual app, a HIPAA-compliant application, to parse the data and create a complete health picture. The mod includes a finger cuff and an inflatable bladder, along with the sensors to make the measurements. Vital USA says the measurements take up to three to five minutes to complete and then are stored within the app and can be shared and or analyzed. The company claims all five measurements are made accurately, as they might be with dedicated medical equipment. Pricing and availability, though, not immediately disclosed. Yeah, these medical sensors are kind of neat, and I think it's kind of the next frontier as far as keeping track of things. I mean, even just the heart rate monitor of the Apple Watch and uh, some of the other ones are really kind of handy uh, and good safety features to have uh, have around. So this is kind of the kind of the neat uh, sort of offshoot of having you know these fancy computers with us at all times. Well, I think for the most part, you know, all of us are at least looking for a baseline of information about ourselves and how we're doing. And, you know, I think one of the greatest things about the Apple Watch is not the functionality that it can provide from an application standpoint, but really just that health information. It tells me how active or not active I've been in a particular day, and it provides uh, some cues to help me to keep up uh, with uh, what is at least a baseline of activity. And I, I do definitely appreciate that. And one of the reasons why it definitely goes on every single day is because of that information. So you extrapolate that out to all the other things that people are looking for and all of the medical needs that people have in this uh, aging society that we have and obviously makes a lot of sense for these things to get integrated with our devices. On the keyboard side, Motorola Tuesday announcing the upcoming availability of the Livermorium slider keyboard Moto Mod. This is an attachment giving the Moto Z a physical QWERTY keyboard for typing. It slides out and can tilt the handset up to 60 degrees for a miniature laptop style typing. The Livermorium is initially an Indiegogo project and has since gained the support of Lenovo and Motorola. The slide-out keyboard will be available uh, later this winter for $100. It encourages the developer to support the Moto Mod program. Uh, in, In that encouragement, they're taking submissions for concepts for those that have been selected to receive a Moto Z handset. The Moto Mod development kit and uh, support from Indiegogo is also there. In software news, Apple on Monday releasing iOS 11.2.2, patching several significant security problems, including security improvements to Safari and WebKit to mitigate the effects of the Spectre vulnerability discovered earlier this month. Uh, Apple recommends all iPhone and iPad owners install the update as soon as possible. Apple issued a similar update to its Mac OS desktop software as well. Apple this week said it will improve the tools parents use to control how much time their children spend on iPhones and iPads. The move is in response to investor criticism that suggested screen time is highly damaging to kids. Uh, We have new features and enhancements planned for the future to add functionality to make these tools even more robust, said Apple in a statement provided to the Wall Street Journal. We think deeply about how our products are used and how they impact uh, the impact they have on people around them. We take this responsibility seriously and committed to meeting and exceeding the customer's expectations, especially when it comes to protecting kids. 
Apple has already provided a series of parental controls in the iPhone and iPad, uh, such as monitoring what content is accessible, what apps are downloaded. Apple, though, did not specifically state what new features would be introduced. Right, because they could take that that Apple family sharing thing that allows you to share purchases and do kind of the linking uh, of Apple ID accounts and iCloud storage into the next level where you can literally turn them on and off uh, from your, you know, parental device, which would be kind of an ideal situation or schedule it or, or, or do things like that where you can uh, enable an app or launch an app or, or lock it down remotely. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are still a little bit more difficult to do, a little bit cumbersome to do that is, um, you know, on these devices. And as uh, a parent uh, that is using iPads with my kids, I do regularly go in and turn restrictions on and off. Uh, There are certain things that I have on at certain times, but not at others. Example is you go on a flight, a Southwest flight specifically, they've got live TV that's available through the browser. Uh, I never have the browser enabled other than when I'm on flights, but that requires going into the settings, turning off restrictions, going in, turning on Safari, it comes back up. If I forget to do it, then it's available. Uh, It's just, it would be nice to be able to do this on a device and uh, to provide some additional controls for parents as uh, they have pointed out there, hopefully are taking this very seriously. Uh, as something that parents are looking for. And finally this week, Google on Monday announcing it would simplify its mobile and online payment products by combining them into a single service called Google Pay. So moving forward, Google Pay will encompass the features of Google Wallet and Android Pay. Google expects people will use Google Pay to make payments online and via mobile devices, and even to pay friends directly. Google says Google Pay is already available in some apps and websites, including but not limited to Airbnb, Fandango, and Instacart. Google expects Google Pay to become more widely available quickly as developers don't have to do much to alter their existing Google Wallet and Android Pay-backed services for full Google Pay integration. Google didn't say if or when Google Pay mobile app will reach Android handsets. So when did they split it? About a year and a half ago. And then imagine about a year and a half from now, Mickey, they're going to split it again because... Uh, Google loves to integrate and deintegrate and integrate then reintegrate. They're just, uh, they can never really make a decision and stick to it. It's like Hangouts versus Allo versus all of the other things that Google I don't Drive, re- Google Drive, the Office solution, the spreadsheets. Oh, but now we're going to put it in Drive, but oh, now we're going to have it separate. Oh, but now it's going to be in this other thing where we put this other thing around here. So it's kind of... Uh, Typical. They, they, it's yeah. It, it feels very siloed in the way that their products are managed and just different people in charge of the different businesses. But either way, uh, Google Pay. We're gonna just get used to saying Google Pay because that's what we are going to have at least for the next couple of days. Uh, no questions or comments this week, but if you'd like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or leave a voicemail at six five zero nine 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 zero five. Two, four, and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.